Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wayne Hour, a podcast series where we sit down with leaders from across the country and talk with them about the important issues of the day. I'm Kevin Chrism, I'm the host of the program, and I'm delighted to welcome you in to another episode. My guest on the show today is Dr. Dave Bratt. Dr. Bratt served in the U.S. House of Representatives from 2014 to 2019, representing Virginia's 7th Congressional District, and he currently serves as the Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. And he joins us on the show today to talk about his career in Congress, about Virginia politics, and the current state of our great American republic. Thank you for listening to our episode of The Wayne Hour. You can subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you. Dr. Dave Brad, thanks so much for joining the Wayne Hour. We appreciate your time. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a great honor to have you. Um, there's a lot to get to. Uh, and as I mentioned, the offset, the outset rather, it's never a dull moment wherever we are in the world of politics. So what are your early thoughts so far on this Biden-Harris administration? There's a lot going on when it comes to, you know, look at the crisis in Israel and Palestine. You look at the crisis down at the border. What is your early thoughts so far in this uh, administration? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's kind of as advertises, they're kind of going down the neo-Marxist uh, playbook path and, you know, in philosophy or whatever, deconstructing all of the institutions and ideas that made this country great. And so, you know, in my past, I always kind of lumped them into three buckets, the Judeo-Christian tradition, which includes Greek reason, uh, and then the constitution, uh, with framed by Madison and, and the founders, and then the free market system under Adam Smith. And those three uh, institutions have served us very well. We've become the most powerful, wealthiest country on earth. Uh, some people don't like that. The Marxists uh, say there are no uh, absolute truths. Uh, there, it, it's a superstructure created by the capitalists to oppress. And, they, and they're in the business of deconstructing and destroying uh, the Judeo-Christian West and the constitutional government and the uh, free market pro-business uh, mentality that made us all rich. Mm. And so uh, it's what you just said, right? We have, we have chaos internationally. We have chaos at the border. They're letting anybody in. Uh, known criminals are being welcomed back and paid to come back at the border. They're recruiting uh, the uh the uh, most radical criminal elements into the inner cities uh, and they're being led there by uh, the, these folks who are gonna engage them in organized crime and drugs. And we know this uh, and, and no one's making hay of it. Uh, the stock market is uh, being propped up on, uh, on a sugar high by uh, $8 trillion in fiscal stimulus and about 7 trillion uh, in monetary policy. And so if, if you want to know what the real economy looks like, just ask yourself, what would the economy do if you took away all of that, you know, $15 trillion in stimulus? It would collapse. And so uh, that's what a Marxist economy looks like. They collapse uh, because they're not built on any foundation and any fundamentals. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible start. Uh, luckily, we, uh, we still have the uh, filibuster. That, that was the major uh, issue uh, that I was very concerned about. And so uh, 
we, we, we made it through that, it looks like, thanks to a couple of senators. Uh, but uh, it, without that, boy, uh, Western Civ would have been greatly challenged. Yeah, certainly. Well, what, do you, what do you make of uh, the role of Kamala Harris as the vice president? You know, she's been tasked to lead the border. Uh, yeah. Where she hasn't even been down to the border. Uh, she usually meets with world leaders even before President Biden does. Do you think she's really the one calling the shots uh, in, in the White House right now? Uh, not really. I think that they're probably preparing her for that type of role. So she you know, does some cameo appearances and meets right. with world leaders. Uh, but you know, there's the, the, the far left in the background uh, that paid for the election, et cetera. They're running things. And, uh, you know, I was even on the Republican side, right? I, we, we tried to save 40 billion people, $40 billion we were paying to dead people uh, when I was in Congress and we couldn't even do that, right? It's what you call the giant Excel spreadsheet in the sky. Right. Uh, the revenues have come in. If you're going to take away 40 billion, you're taking it away from somebody. And uh, I'd go back home and the guys say, hey, what about a balanced budget deficit? And I was like, uh, uh, we can't save 40 billion. We're paying to dead people. You think we're going to do 1.1 trillion? Right. I don't think so. Right. So, and the, the Dems have it obviously perfected, and they're no longer liberals. I mean, that's an important right. point. The people in the background are no longer John F. Kennedy's. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're radical leftists, and uh, they're driving the train, and it's, it's going off the tracks on purpose. Right. Not many Joe Mansions in D.C. Or, or no. Right. No, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, 2024. <laughs> it's right around the corner. It seems as though everyone loves to yeah. talk about it. So first of all, I want to talk about the Democratic side. Joe Biden in 2024, what do you think? If you're a betting man right now, do you think he runs? And uh, if so, do you think he has a, a good shot to win? Uh, or do you think it's Harris's turn? What do you think? I'd, I'd say neither of them. I, to be the most powerful person in the world, I, I think you're going to get a stable of candidates running on that one. Right. Uh, whether either of those two are running or not. But I, I can't see Biden doing it again. And uh, Kamala, if she didn't get any polling in the first place. And it's, so they, they know she can't win a general out on her own leading the ticket. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd expect, uh, I, I haven't given that one much thought. I don't know who the personalities they have are strong over there, but uh, I, I doubt it'll be either of them. Right. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. You look at a lot of people forget that Kamala Harris <laughs> did run for president. Just yeah. ago and, and bombed. She got out yeah. in December of 2019, right. didn't even make it to Iowa. So there's yeah. not a lot of stock in there. And let's talk about Republican side. You look at President Trump. He's been very active, obviously, uh, wanting to uh, uh, win back the House and the Senate for the Republicans in 2022. You look at someone like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, whose his stock is rising. First of all, President Trump, do you think he should do it? I think deep down he wants to do it. But the question is, what does he want to go through another campaign? What, what do you make of President Trump's role in 2024, do you think he should launch another bid for the White House? Yeah, I, I, I just don't get the sense he's going to do it. He, he may surprise us all. I, I think he's keeping the uh, the intensity up, uh, going around uh, with the talks and keeping the base fired up. Mm. <laughs> and he clearly wants, you know, a legacy of of his regime uh, because he he uh, single handedly. Uh, tore down the deep state. It's exposed. That doesn't mean it's been fixed at all. Right. But he exposed the FBI. He exposed the corrupt CIA, the State Department. All of our major institutions uh, were just decimated. And he showed all that. So, you know, that some people get on him for this or that. But that, that in itself is a major contribution 
And then because of uh, because of the the power he has uh, over social media, et cetera, uh, now, the election is now being looked at with increased scrutiny and all the rules of the game there. Uh, and we'll see what uh, comes from all of that. So I, I doubt he's in. And then after that, it's uh, it's Trump's party. The polling looks like it's 60 to 80 percent uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. And so you had DeSantis fits into there. Pompeo uh, fits into there. Pence might make a run at it uh, himself. Uh, but I think it's more uh, more Pompeo uh, DeSantis. And, and maybe that could be the ticket. Pompeo DeSantis mm-hmm. DeSantis gets, gets it gets it next. Certainly. You look at someone like Nikki Haley, who said she wouldn't run if Trump um, were to run, which I thought was an interesting comment. And, and you alluded yeah. to this uh, in your in your last comment there. Do you think if a moderate was to run, such as a Larry Hogan in Maryland or, or, or some someone, what, what's their chance? We, we looked at last time with Jeb Bush and, and even before it was Trump's party, they had they they floundered. So, yeah, I, I would say at this point, there's no no chance for a moderate Republican in, in your mind, correct? No, no, I, I don't think so. And that, uh, you know, the, it, 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 we are kind of following the mainstream media lingo, even they're saying, the, the, you know, moderate Republican, what a moderate Republican is, is a Republican who doesn't follow the Republican creed. The rhino. I was, I was considered some winger because I believed in the Judeo-Christian tradition, the constitution and free markets. Right. Mm-hmm. And I voted against trillion, trillion dollar deficits. And, uh, you know, so the, the moderates, I'm friends with a lot of the moderate guys, but the, 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 it's, they're called moderates and we're called wingers. And, you know, it's, it's just all a caricature by the mainstream media sure. that sticks, even in our language. But uh, the, the people that follow the Republican creed that you have up your state level in Virginia, we have a six-fold Republican creed. I ran on that creed in my primary against Canner, and I said, there's nothing wrong with the creed. The only problem is no one follows it. Right. Creed's great. And so I ran on it. I kept my word. But uh, you stick out like a sore thumb if you do that. Certainly. Now, even before we get to 2024, I want to talk to you about 2022. Obviously, a huge year for both sides. The Democrats are looking to retain their majorities and the Republicans yeah. looking like they want to bring back, get the Senate back and get the yeah. House back as well. What's it going to take for Republicans to do both those things in your mind in the in the next year? Yeah, well, I, I think they'll win back the House and and maybe the Senate, but the House probably by a good margin, and then hopefully the Senate. And uh, I, I think, ironically, I think there's going to be some unity for once on, on the main themes. Uh, the, you know, if you ask where people are on China now, uh, it, it's a totalitarian surveillance state. And so I always, you know, my libertarian buddies, I, I, I have libertarian leanings. And I'm like, yeah, you're free. I'm free. Everybody's free. You're free to make your mind up whether you want to trade with a totalitarian surveillance state that's torturing its people right now. And, you know, so you're free, but that doesn't mean you have to exercise free trade everywhere and free movement of everything and everywhere. Right. And so it's uh, it's interesting that we, we kind of have a unity now on the China thing, on the border thing. Uh, Trump was pro-business on the tax cut piece. Uh, the fiscal restraint Republicans haven't shown any, any evidence. Uh, that's a weakness, but I don't think uh, the voters are going to be expected. I think, but I, I think voters will expect people to come out with some sane statements about uh, voter irregularities. And they're going to want some statements mm-hmm. on on that, uh, and then on the uh, the 
COVID virus, uh, the origination of that. I think the base is going to be dying to hear uh, how people weigh their remarks on that one, because that'll tell you a lot right. whether they're willing to fight uh, for the United States or not. And uh, but I think there will be, in the end, a remarkable unity, and the people that answer those things the right way will get elected. Mm -hmm. Now. We saw a leadership shakeup in the Republican caucus in the House just a few weeks ago with Elise Stefanik taking over as the conference chair from Liz Cheney. Had you been in the in the conference this year, would you have voted to remove uh, Representative Cheney? What do you make of her actions? You look at a former colleague of yours, her and Adam Kinzinger as well. What do you make of those two uh, and their actions so far in the conference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was friends with uh, Liz and Elise uh, personally, but uh, yeah, Liz uh, wasn't uh, doing her job uh, in, in the slot. And uh, was working against party unity and against uh, against progress coming up. And so, yeah, she, you know, she needed to go. Uh, she knew that she she, she 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 wants to fight that fight. She's tough. Uh, and so, and at least, but uh, you know, everybody knows uh, in that conference, none of that matters. The speaker is the only one that matters. And even the speaker, like I was talking prior, right? We. We tried to save $40 billion. Uh, we paid to dead people under Paul Ryan. And he said, let me go check and see if I can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who are you checking with? You're the speaker, <laughs> right? I mean, you're the boss. And yep. it was 40 billion, which right. is chump change. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, uh, the, the, the leadership is bound uh, by big money too on our side. Uh, nothing like on the left. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're, we're way too bound to the corporate elites. Now all the Fortune 500 are woke. And so we'll see if there's some changes there. Right. And, and on the same topic, Kevin McCarthy, do you think he should uh, be elected speaker if Republicans do retain the House? Or do you think there's another conservative voice out there that should take up the mantle? Well, I, I love Jim Jordan or uh, somebody like that, that uh, is just clear spoken on, on the big issues. Uh, McCarthy hasn't been leading out front on the press over the past months on China. I haven't heard any remarks on the border crisis. He's come out and said a couple of things, but not, there's no fight going on. And the base wants a fight right now. Mm. And so if he wants it, he's gonna have to show he's a fighter on the main issues uh, that the, the base cares about. Right, certainly. I, I wanna talk about Jim Jordan too in the Freedom Caucus. It's something that's always interested me. You remember the Freedom Caucus during your time in Congress. Yeah. It was so important during the Obama years and, and even during the Trump years as well. Do you think now during the Biden years with, with the, the, this uh, rise of the radical left, do you think the role of the Freedom Caucus is at its most important point right now uh, in, in American politics? What do you make of that? Well, I, I think it is just because I think we had it right uh, prior. And so if you look at the policies and positions most of the conference has taken now and the, the base is headed toward the Freedom Caucus, not, not vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so we, we tried to lead uh, doing the right things for the country that would have made us better off. And so, yeah, I, I, right now, I, when you're in the minority, I'm not sure how that weighs. We were effective uh, when we were in the majority and we had a block that could vote. Uh, right. we, could, we had a big enough voting block to stop bad bills mm -hmm. uh, where we didn't keep our word to the American people. Uh, but now I think uh, we're equally powerful, more powerful, but for, for different reasons. I think I think the the guys in the group and the women are uh, are doing a great job of just holding true to the basic positions we had five years ago, and we have the same positions now. Mm -hmm. you, you take a look at someone like Jim Jordan, who was was really leading that charge 
yeah. among others. Um, let's talk about local politics in Virginia. Your the Commonwealth has a important governor race coming up. Uh, yeah. Fall. Glenn Youngkin from the Republican side winning that nomination. What do you make of him? Uh, did you support him? And uh, do you think he's got the the chops, as they say, to uh, take on what looks like is going to be Tara McAuliffe uh, in the uh, upcoming general election? Yeah, I don't I don't get involved in the primaries, uh, picking winners. I'll let the people do that. And so now I'll, I'll support him against McAuliffe in the left. Uh, that's for sure. Right. McAuliffe, you're just going to get four more years of the same thing. Uh, and uh, when I left Congress, uh, Richmond was fine. Mm. Uh, now uh, all the restaurants, the foodies, the pubs, Monument Avenue, they're all boarded up. Mm-hmm. shut down bankrupt mm-hmm. not not shut down due to covid uh there was a war zone wasn't covered at all on the news right but the primary historical monument drive right. all the houses had to post certain uh, posters in their windows so their house would be porched uh, all the statues are graffitied uh radicals were out in front with ar-15s around all the statues walking up the town and the uh the business district is just destroyed and uh, all the, uh, the, the, we were joking before, but the, the moderate Republican, right? These business elites in Richmond that were supposedly powerful, you know, millionaires and everything and dictated who did what, uh, they're busy hiding under their desk, right? right? When we needed leadership, uh, they were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, people now know who's where on what issues. And when the going gets tough, who's ducking and hiding under their desk? and just uh, protected by wealth or whatever versus who's fighting to fight for the country. What, what do you think, looking at it from a Republican side, what do you think Terry McAuliffe's appeal is to Virginia voters? I mean, he was governor once before, he's been involved with the Clintons, there's yeah. been a lot of problems with China, with some uh, alleged corruption and so forth. Yeah. What, what's his appeal? What is he gonna offer that he hadn't already done in four years during uh, his time? Yeah, he'll, he'll just keep doing what he did last time. I mean, he's a rainmaker. I mean, he's got Rolodex like no one, right? Him and Bill Clinton, uh, together, you know, they can right. they they can make it rain. Money, business connections, uh, international business connections, chamber of commerce, chamber of corruption. <laughs> you know, they'll make a deal with anybody. <laughs> bring some revenues in the short run to Virginia, no matter what it does, right? Uh, to the world or trade or freedom or whatever. And that's the problem. And they they've gotten good at it, right. This whole new Soros back green initiative is just they've created a sector out of whole cloth. Al Gore, mm-hmm. and just in the trillions now, and, and, and even in the trillions of the government uh, funding uh, pieces of it. And, and it, of course, it all goes through the swamp and the swamp gets a cut of, of that. Right. And so that's why it is structured that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the free market, you have money in your pocket. If you want it, we have the cleanest air and the cleanest water in the world. China doesn't. And so, I mean, it's just, it's kind of remarkable that uh, the American people, we, we want clean air and clean water and all that. Uh, but they've created a whole new industry to just take it to business and regulate and capture trillions of dollars mm-hmm. that go through their party, basically. Yeah, certainly. And I, I want to talk to you briefly about the Commonwealth as a whole. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people talk about Virginia. They say, oh, Virginia was always a you know ruby red state in the early 2000s, the 90s and so forth. And then it tr- shifted, uh, trended towards Democrats when 2008 and so forth, having elected a Republican statewide since Bob McDonnell in 2009. So what, simply put, what's happened to Virginia in terms of yeah. the transformation? Is there a single area that has changed or, or has it been a, a number of things? What, in your mind, what is it? 
No, it's just all uh, crony capitalism. The money came down from the north, and the money does what it does, right? And, it's, and it, it that was already happening with corporate America was getting uh, you know PC politically correct and all this stuff. Now everyone's woke, <clears throat> and then you add to that losing you know it wasn't the totality, but eighteen percent of your market for the healthcare sector. I had business CEOs in the region, young young bucks, very smart, sharp. They Dave, we agree with you every word you say. Mm-hmm. We agree with you in principle on every position, but we cannot back you in public. Right. Right. And so it's just every sector has been paid off by the left with Medicare formularies, Medicaid formularies, regulatory stuff. You got to go through the government to get anything done. And uh, the big corporations are now getting bigger and they're moving down to Richmond and then they have outsized influence over the small guy. The left has constructed it this way, right? The big six tech firms in the U.S., I have a market cap greater than all European firms combined. Mm-hmm. Six firms worth more, not, not worth more than all tech European firms, worth more than all of Europe combined. Right. So the left likes that. They can put their thumb on six people, Zuckerberg, et cetera, get things done real fast, real quick. Deplatform the president of the United States, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Take away First Amendment speech, religious liberties, going right down, right? right. Freedom of, of, of everything. And uh, that, that's what's coming. And then they have the gall to make the accusation of fascism. Fascism requires a big state. Mm-hmm. I want a small state. Right? They want a total state. And they're well on their way to capturing it. Not, not, not through just a straight up socialism, by, but by regulatory fiat. They own everything now. Right. They can basically run everything. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. It is. My guest is Dr. Dave Bratt, a former Virginia congressman and the current dean of the School of Business at the Great Liberty University. Dr. Brad, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you just this final question. When my listeners heard you were coming on the program, they uh, they know you from obviously a few years ago when you knocked off Eric Cantor in the big yep. primary win. Take us through the early stages of that just briefly. Why did you decide to get in the race? And then obviously when you decided to, to uh, when you were, were, when you were uh, given the win there, well, take us through it. What was the whole experience like really? Yeah, well, I, you know, I went to seminary and I did a PhD in economics and taught at a liberal arts school and then worked in the state government underneath the ethical uh, Baptist CPA accountant who was head of the Senate Finance Committee for seven years and got to know what it was like. <clears throat> he said, you want to run for my seat maybe someday? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. Then the machine said, no, you can't do that. And I was like, what? I didn't read about this in democracy in the eighth grade <laughs> civics. So I waited a couple of years, ran for a lower seat. Uh, run for delegates no you can't machine said no you can't do it they, they arranged it so four people voted and put a, a young son of a gazillionaire in there instead of me mm-hmm. and a couple other things happened that if i told you you wouldn't even believe them so atrocious and i said uh, who's the head of this machine and they said uh, well eric canner's the head of the machine mm-hmm. and he's never here and he's bundling money up in dc for everything everything under the heavens and I said, well, I don't like this, the way this thing's going, so I'm going to run against them. And everybody just died laughing, right? I called guys from my, have you read Don Quixote, Brat? Are you, are you nuts? <laughs> but it, it was kind of the glimmers of what's happening now. The, 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 the base and the average person just said, it's broke. This thing's broke already. They could see the money problem. And uh, they put me in it, pretty big. I won by 10 over Canner and then 15 and then 15 and then lost by one and a half to Spamberger. Uh, and there, you know, that 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 election stuff is fascinating to me. To have a sixteen and a half point swing in politics, boy, I'm, I'm I'm watching as uh, I learn about elections 
-hmm. And then the next guy, uh, one of my friends, greatest runs for the seat and loses by exactly one and a half percent as well. One percent, you don't need a recount. Mm -hmm. And the Dems, it's so it's, that's what gets me a little. Is they they go always just over a little bit. Yep. Right in Arizona, twenty thousand votes. <laughs> Wisconsin, whatever. Yep. Georgia, thirty thousand votes. You're just like, that's statistically that's little, yeah. this is. Right. <laughs> so I'm uh, just, you know, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just right. keep my eyes open. Exactly. Right? It's that, eye opening. Yep. That's so. a quick. And then I had every news uh, corporation in my front yard, CNN, oh, and Fox, and every truck. And I was going out to get my hair cut. They said, we got a question for you, minimum wage. And I said, I'd, I'd, I'm going to go get my hair cut. Yeah. Front page of the paper the next day. Brett, Brett says he's totally unequipped to answer policy questions at this time. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and that's yeah. that. You, from there, it's all every what you all know. Certainly. You well, can't make it up. Certainly a, a, a tremendous accomplishment. And uh, and you're known nationwide for it across, not just in Virginia. So I uh, appreciate it. It was great. It was great. It was a true blessing. And the people that supported yeah. me are just just a, a true blessing in my life still to this day. Sure. So now you're, you're at Liberty University and yep. a lot of people say about Congress, you know, why would anyone want to run for Congress currently with the dysfunction? All right. Do you want to do it again? Or have you thought about future plans going back there to DC? What, what do you think? No, no, no. Uh, last time I had several inklings uh, in religious speak, but they, this time the clouds would have to open directly with a large voice. <laughs> booming uh, obviously i would answer yes, yes but short of that call right I, I i love it at liberty I, I get to do a lot of what i was doing right i get mm -hmm. to do, study the politics and do, do business and do some speaking out here like this kind of thing work with students which i love and the religion and the theology and the philosophy mm -hmm. that that's my whole life background so I'm, I'm 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 at home yeah well liberty is a great great institution so many, yeah many have come through there Great successes. So, Dr. Dave Bratt, we so much appreciate your time here on the Wayne Hour podcast. Come back and visit us anytime. Great discussion on a whole host of things, and uh, we we uh, we appreciate it. Great podcast, brother. Keep up the good Thank work. You. God bless. Well, take Thank care. you. Bye bye. You bet. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wayne Hour. You can again subscribe to the show by finding us on all major podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Thank you very much.